0: Hey Hawks fans,
1: Luke Bruce here, CJ here, Jarman here, if you love the Hawks, then you need to be connected to the Hawks Insiders, it's got all the latest news, match
0: recaps, interviews and specialised content, written by the Hawks fans for the Hawks fans, make sure you subscribe, get your daily dose of Hawthorne content into your inbox, go Hawks, go Hawks, go Hawks, here from Jarman MP for the Insiders. Hi everybody,
2: uh, welcome to another Wednesday night Hawks Insiders Safe Space. Um, really excited uh, to get together again this evening and chat all things brown and gold. Uh, I am your host this evening in the absence of Ashley Brown. My name is Danny Prins. Um, I am joined by my wonderful co-hosts. Uh, firstly, the man behind the badge this evening, pulling all of the strings, Mr. Andrew Weese. Weesey. Good evening to you.
3: Good evening, Quincy. Good evening, everyone. Yep, excited for another hour or so of brown and gold chat leading into what will hopefully be another good hit out on Saturday night. Absolutely. And
2: we will get to not only the hit out that we had last Friday, but the hit out, as you mentioned, we see coming up on Saturday night. Um, a man who was there watching the match in all of its glory, Mr. Brad Klebanski. Brad, how are you?
0: Hello, Prinzi. Hello, everyone. Good to be here again. The game round one can't come quick enough. Two and a half weeks to go. Bring it on.
2: Now, Brad, you were at the first practice match against the Doggies. You and I were both at the intra Club as well. Um, You've watched both of those matches, and you still can't wait for round one. What? Where has this positivity come from? And uh, wh- who is this person we're speaking to?
0: Look, the intra club was a disaster because of the uh, injuries, but I thought we saw enough quality signs, especially from the younger players, um, in that game to you know get us a bit excited. And then again against uh, the Bulldogs, look, it wasn't a great game, especially. Uh, the first quarter and probably the third quarter, but again, which we're going to touch on, the likes of Hussweiss in particular, Cam McKenzie looks to have put on size and hopefully has a really good season. Josh Ward played pretty well. Um, there were There's enough signs there to get excited for round one in a game against the Bombers. That is going to be absolutely massive. We have to win that first game.
2: Absolutely. And another man who was right there uh, alongside... You last Friday morning, Mick Cowan. Mick, how are you?
1: Good, Denny. Hi, guys? And um, uh, you—you were—you—you
2: frequented uh, Waverley Park. You, did you get out to uh, where was it? Oval last. Oval
1: yeah. I actually uh, took the public transport, which is quite convenient. Having not having been to Oval for what thirty years, you—you you couldn't get a park for love nor money, I don't think. Uh, but anyway, no, I was you know, the trip was worthwhile. It was interesting to see, as I said last week, how they actually set the game up. You know, the Doggies played a different side. And then I think Mitch might have decided to give the young blokes in the middle a particularly a good go because the big three, Nash, Warple and Newcomb, barely attended a centre-square clearance together. Um, so I found that interesting. I, um,
2: I, I did too. And I wanted to actually ask you, Mick, um do you think that that is a response to the fact that the Western Bulldogs played about half a dozen of their their big guns in the sort of second game of the two games? And do you think that the Hawks thought, well, you guys aren't playing your full complement. We'll try to mix it up a little bit as well and give some of these younger guys that exposure?
1: Yeah, I think that in part then, but I also think... Given our heavy reliance on those three plus day last year, mm. I think Mitchell wanted to see what the other blokes could do in the middle. Um, admittedly, there was one of those those top three in with the younger guys all the time. The interesting one again on that was McDonald's uh, Connor McDonald. I don't think attended ten at a centre square clearance and definitely didn't play in the wing at all. He's always half forward pushing up. Um, but yeah, I think it was more an opportunity to see what the next tier was going to provide as. Um, as options, because I don't think we can run those four into the ground like we did last year, um, and, and we've obviously already lost one too.
2: Yeah, absolutely, and I think um, I, I think that over reliance that we had last year on on a on a, a year with with little injury, and then you know having Dillamore out with glandular fever, having Will Day with the stress fracture, um, you know, it's a good opportunity if absolutely nothing else, you know, to be able to. Expose these guys at a high level uh, to actual midfield minutes, and and let's be real. Both uh, the the players that you were talking about, Mick, um, Henry Huswaite and Ken McKenzie, the first two, they are out and out inside mids, aren't they? So it's not like we're asking um, Carl Amon to play through the middle or somebody like that. These are this is their trade, and this is the these are the positions that they they played growing up through junior footy and also at Box Hill last year.
1: Oh, definitely. And the other aspect too was to see where the regular mids went. So Newcombe went to half forward when he wasn't in the square. And I think Connor Nash actually played on reflection, I reckon 90% of the game possibly on the wing. Like Aside from going into centre square clearances, he really played that outside wing role um, a lot of the time. Now, again, whether that's because the Dogs didn't have their their bigger body uh, midfielders in there might have been an issue. In that respect, but um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how those two play going forward because you just can't play them off the bench and in the middle.
3: Now, Mick, before we continue with some of the um, some of the observations on the field, I've got to ask you: you spent a fair chunk of the game next to Brad. Now, two years ago, after that first quarter, we would have feared for his safety. Uh, making sure he, he's okay, doesn't harm himself. Um, we, it would have been a disaster. It would have been a disaster according to Brad and that, that's it for the season. Talk to us about how he was through that first quarter and at quarter time. Um, and, I mean, we certainly get the feeling he's mellowed and he knows exactly where we're at. Give us your take on Brad and, and being next to him for the game.
1: I think I was fortunate in that Brad was juggling a couple of um, other duties as well as watching the game. He had David King's binoculars and notes to protect, and he also had a couple of mates sitting the other side of him who might have um, reined him in a bit as well. Who were I've forgotten their names, but uh, they seemed um, very calm and measured as well. So now Brad was uh, Brad was good, and we also worked out that pretty early when we saw them trying to have a shot from that uh, right forward, that but, but the wind was about. You know, Brad I think said six goals. I wasn't quite that um, ambitious. at Perhaps a two or three goal win, but there's definitely a win there. No, but um, Bradley was uh, very measured, very measured. Thanks, Mick. I think if oh, uh,
0: if,
2: I take if cash, we're really yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, I think if we're really honest, it's because he, Brad's a bit of a celebrity when he goes to these uh, intra club matches. He he knows everybody, and he he talks to everybody. He doesn't have time to be upset. He just has to keep uh, fronting up and keep fronting up. So. Um, we will get into a bit of the the match play. You guys touched on it already. Um, the first quarter, uh, concerning, I, I was expecting, as we see alluded to, I was expecting season over text messages in our WhatsApp group. I'm not sure if we got them or not from uh, Mr. Klebanski, but um, but the same old issue rose uh, arose again, um, where when the Hawks concede a couple, they tend to concede quite a few uh, Brad that must be something and look it's something that I've seen with Mitchell coach teams even when he was coaching at box Hill uh, it, it is definitely something that the Hawks need to work on over the course of this season
0: absolutely we saw it uh, last year other than West Coast uh, no t- uh, Hawthorne suffered the most I think it's 49 plus point uh, losses last year I think we had seven. All right, uh, last year, uh, and it was surprising. Yeah, again, twice it happened, you know, obviously in the first and third quarters against uh, the Bulldogs. So I tweeted straight after the game and got a lot of uh, people uh, agreeing with me. If our midfield gets comprehensively uh, beaten, our back line's just going to get absolutely uh, murdered. It's going to happen again this season, unfortunately, with Blank going down. And I know people, uh, you know, have spoken about Phillips potentially playing and Daz has mentioned, like he did uh, last week, Sicily's spoken about it. I think it's a bit of a smokescreen how we're going to play a system, our defense. No system's going to work when um, our midfield's going to get as beaten as it did against the Bulldogs last week. And the biggest issue was, is they were missing uh, Bontempelli and uh, Law and uh, McRae, probably three of their four top uh, midfielders. So, Uh, The midfields are going to be under big pressure this season and without Will Day for at least probably, I've said, the first four weeks. I can't see Day playing before uh, week probably around six or seven. It's going to be a problem and it's going to be big pressure on our uh, midfield because, unfortunately, our back line, Jack Scrimshaw I thought actually was probably our best defender against uh, the Bulldogs, but he's going to have to play centre-half back to start the season. So, yeah, it's going to be a problem again. I've heard a few people throw around Jack Gunston's name and I think we might see a bit of that early on in the season. I think Jack's going to have to play a bit of a floating, uh, you know, a bit of a floating uh, position, you know, between forward and back and spend a bit
3: of time in the back line. Brad, uh, I just want to get your thoughts. We obviously did the post-game um, pod, which was which was a lot of fun going through everything that had happened. But I want to get your thoughts talking about that midfield and how important it's going to be for us um, in terms of the defensive side of things and keeping the ball out of opposition's hands because of our back line. I want to get your thoughts. We touched on it just at the end of our pod on, on Reeves, um, Chol, um obviously Meek and the Ruck combination. And we've seen um, Max Gorn dominate tonight. We've seen... Uh, in the practice match against Carlton. We've seen um, Brody Grundy looking really good this preseason. Obviously, we know about Tim English who wasn't there, the Rowan Marshalls. Where do you think we're at in terms of ruck department based on what you saw? Mick, feel free to come in too. Based on what you saw, what you've seen at training, Mick, and actually, whilst we know we're developing Reeves, how much of a concern is there heading into this season in the ruck department?
0: I think it's a big uh, concern. I think Reeves is going to be a quality player, but I think he's played 30 out. I think he's played less than 40 games. But Sam Darcy comprehensively uh, beat him uh, last week. I know he Reeves did go forward and he uh, kicked a goal, but still, and I spoke to uh, Mick about it at the game, Reeves is still not uh, fit enough. He doesn't work hard enough around uh, the ground. He's uh, laboring all the time. He's always a kick and a half uh, behind play. And I tweeted out before, he needs to watch the way uh, Max Gorn plays. I know Gorn's played, you know, 250 uh, games. But um, in my opinion, we can't play Reeves and Meek. And it was interesting because Chole didn't attend one uh, rock contest on the weekend. so. If Meek plays this Saturday night against Bulldogs, I think it's a worry because it probably means he's going to play around round one against uh, the Bombers. And I don't think Reeves and Meek work as a combination. I think Chol's going to have to play that second role. I think Reeves will definitely get better. But heading into this season, our ruck combination, in my opinion, and I understand Reeves wins the hit outs and our midfield was stronger last year. But as a ruck combination, our rucks on paper are probably bottom four in the AFL in my opinion.
1: Yeah, Brad and I chatted after the game about it, and I'm a bit more optimistic. I, I give Reeves, you know, 38 games. I remember Gorn playing his first 50 games, and he did some really stupid things that people remember. He looked like, you know, a giraffe without a head at times. So I've got some uh, what more faith potentially. He did a couple of good things, Reeves. He took two marks. He took one on the wing in the first quarter. And then he tried for the inside 45 short kick and stuffed it up. But you could see what his intent was and he later took the mark going forward. I agree with Brad. Meek and Reeves in the ruck together um, isn't isn't a combination that's gonna work um, on a longer term basis. It might, you know, one week here, one week there. And Brad's right, you know, Chole didn't do a centre bounce at all, which is quite interesting. But again, having they only had thirty-one players to pick from. Um, so I think they try to manage manage time for a lot of blokes as well. Um, interestingly, Chole was in the rehab group yesterday um, following whatever he did last week, whether it was a shoulder or a wrist. Not, not I think it was a stinger. A shoulder. Yeah, he definitely didn't participate in any training drills yesterday. You just stayed in the far side. Um, and the other point in that first quarter, you know, there were a couple of opportunities where we just made fundamental errors. There's was a really, Ginevan pushed back early in the game to, to that back half and there was one piece of play where he got it to McDonald and McDonald hit Lewis on the chest just inside 50 and he, he spilt the chest mark which you know, would have given a scoring opportunity um, and equally, there was another centre square clearance in that quarter and we were streaming out of the centre and you look up and it was Watson in the goal square and by the time, I think it was Newcomb had the ball, yeah, he he'd gone past the big target, so he's kicking a Watson who was, I think, was might have been playing on uh, Baylor Williams at that stage. But that again, that's a matchup issue that they've got to work out. I would suggest
2: it's um as we stay on uh, the ruck dilemma, I guess, um, for a moment as part of what was what we saw during that match. Uh, I, I I sort of understand the Mick you're a little bit more favourable. Uh, approach when it comes to a young player under, under 50 games, 38 games for Reeves, as you mentioned. Is it a little bit more concerning? And I, I know you talked about the first 50 games for Gorn, but Gorn in his first 50 games would have been about 21 years old, uh, 22 maybe. Reeves is, is mid-20s. He's 25 years old um, and was coming from obviously a considerably um, further back position than Gorn when drafted or brought into the AFL system. Um, I don't know if twenty-five-year-olds can, can be given the same amount of grace in their first sort of fifty games as, you know, a twenty-year-old, and 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 that's probably where my my biggest question marks and concerns lie with with um, Ned Reeves is, you know, will it ever get will it ever get there? You know, is the biggest thing because, you know, he's two years away from being in the middle of his prime. And he looks like he's two years away from being like a serviceable contributor at the AFL level. So that's probably my biggest question, Mick. And maybe you, maybe you've got an answer for that, or maybe it's just one we have to wait and
1: see. Oh, the proof will be, as I say, the proof will be in the pudding. But you know, this is the thing we we expect eighteen to twenty one year olds, you know, to be expert in their craft. Like you think about an apprentice plumber or a teacher. You know, the teacher at eighteen they wouldn't be walking into a classroom. You know, at 22, they're walking in as a novice and they're, tr- they're treated as a graduate till they're you know, done their second or third year. So as a professional, you know there are issues there. I take your point, Danny, but um, I think sometimes we might be a bit harsh, a bit rushed to make a judgment. We want an instant sort of response. Um, and as a ruckman, he could conceivably, with his height, play till, like at Sandylands, play till he's 35, 30, maybe 34, 35. Yeah, you know, so... He's still got a number of years ahead. And the other thing too is he's better than the next alternative I think we've got. You know, Ramsden's probably the longer term alternative he can put some weight on, but I think he's the better alternative to me. You know, I just go back to that Carlton game last year and that third quarter when, you know, they just smashed us out of the middle. And then um equally the St Kilda game where we got pummeled in that first quarter when Rees particularly wasn't playing. You know, I just think he's the best of the best we have at the moment. And I think he's got some potential. I'm not saying he's going to be, you know, um, you know, Max Gorn like, but he's got some he's got some capacity to be better than what he is, obviously.
3: I think as well. I've just I've just checked it out, Prinzy, and he was 23, turning 24 when he played his 50 games, Max Gorn, um, and he, I mean he's played his, you know, 120 of his 200 games through the last six years. So I think if you are actually comparing to Max Gorn, it's a a very similar trajectory games and age-wise. He might be one year behind, but I think what we're forgetting is that 12 months ago, we had major concerns with Ned Reeves. Like we were genuinely worried about whether his body would hold up and whether he would ever have the tank. And we're talking about this now in pre-season, but our midfield was the shining light last year. And whilst we wanted more from him around the grounds, wanted more impact in terms of marking, we actually also were acknowledging game after game after game that his ruck work was one of the main reasons that our midfield worked so well last year. So I think I'm in the same camp as Mick that... um, Whilst, whilst it might be fair to say that our current Ruck division is you know bottom four that, that Brad said, without looking specifically at, at all of them, that as a project player and, again, where our group is at, thinking about seven to ten wins this season, getting 20 more games into Reeves will be significant so that in two years' time, he's that Ruckman. Uh, and the trajectory is like we're on track we're on track for that to happen. So I think he can be afforded a bit more patience as well.
2: Yep. And and I'm happy to, I'm happy to leave it there. I guess my concern is like you mentioned that last year, we we were having a serious concerns about his tank. I think those concerns are just as prevalent now. And that's probably the biggest question mark I have is some, some human beings just can't develop a tank and endure, the endurance to be able to play as an elite AFL athlete. And, and maybe at 210 centimetres, Ned Reeves is one of those guys. But we will move on. Um, there's, there were plenty of positives as well out of the game, uh, Brad. One of those was a man you have jumped all over, Henry Hutzwaite. Um Tell us what you liked about um, uh, Hutzwaite's game and, and what impressed you the most.
0: Well, I think his whole pre-season has been really, really good. He's probably been other than Conor McDonald, the standout for us this preseason. And I tweeted a quarter time, actually halfway through the first quarter of the intra-club game, I said, um, Henry Huswaite has to play round uh, one. And that was halfway through the first quarter of the uh, intra-club. He just looked like uh, he uh, belonged. He started on ball. He started on ball again um, against uh, the Bulldogs. I think he finished with 24 touches, kicked two goals, got a beautiful shot for goal. Um, he he's uh, lacks pace, which was the reason why I think he slid in his draft to a pick in the thirties. But his ability to handball and his uh, vision is uh, superb. He's similar, and we've heard uh, you know some of the media guys talk about it. He's very similar to Scott Pendlebury in the way he manages to find space and makes time stand still and. The way our midfield is at the moment, it's still very young. And obviously, with Will Day out, he's a similar height. He's tall. I think he's 195 centimetres. So, our midfield, you know, when they're all fit and firing, I think you got Nash, 197. Husweight, 195. Days, I think, 192. McKenzie and Newcombe, I think, are high one at 80s. It's a really good mix of height and pace, but... Husweight will, should, I've got no doubt, will play uh, round one. If he doesn't, I'd be very surprised. Mackenzie's the other one that I think's had a really good preseason. We saw last year he showed good signs, but he was not fit enough. I think he played 14 games. I think he was either the sub or subbed off in four or five of those games. But those are the two that have impressed me most this preseason, along with Connor McDonald. And I think both Huswaite and McKenzie will play around one. I think Finn McGuinness is the one that's going to miss out. Touched on that last week. I thought he probably would play to play on Zach Merritt. But I think Mitchell will back our midfield to go head-to-head. And if Merritt gets off the chain, Connor Nash can play that role. So, yeah, I thought Huswaite and McKenzie were probably the two biggest positives for me.
2: Mick, we, uh, Brad sort of uh, stole my thunder a little bit there. I was going to throw it to you and say... Uh, The other young player that was super impressive was Cam McKenzie. Um, So much, so many similarities in like the way that he moves and also, you know, the ball drop and the way that he kicks footy to uh, his senior coach uh, when he was young. Um, What did you like about Cam McKenzie? And, and, um, you know, do you see him taking a step forward in his, I guess, um, journey to just solidifying his place in the AFL team this year?
1: Yeah, I did, Danny. Um, you yeah, my personal bias is I prefer guys that kick it than handball. it. So that's why I've got him ahead of Hussweight in terms of next next cab off the rank. He's kicking, it's got good penetration. Um, I think in leg speed, they're both similar. And in size, probably Hussweight might be a bit taller, but I think Mackenzie um, has got enough body strength to go. But, you know, I think, you know, I've got a preference, as I said, for for blokes that kick the ball because, again, the leg speed is the issue. Just I, watched, I saw a little bit of the game last night, and you know, it's just going to be run, run, run. Now, early on, the games are super quick because everybody's been doing running. But if it is going to be the Collingwood style of play that becomes a dominant force through the season, then your ball movement patterns are going to have to be strong either by foot or by leg speed. Um, and our leg speed... Generally isn't huge when you look at um, Nash, Newcomb, Warple. You know, uh, Ward's Ward's improved, but again, you wouldn't say he's elite speed. Any of those blokes are elite speed. Yeah, it's, it's a
2: really it's a really good point, and Brad, I'll throw it to you in a sec. But one of the questions um, that I one of the things that I, I wrote in our WhatsApp group post game when we were looking at the stats, I believe care McKenzie had twenty three disposals, uh, and I think it was seventeen and six. Uh, 17 kicks, six handballs. Now, if I look back at Cam McKenzie last year, I think he handballed more than he kicked. And I think what that actually comes down to is adjusting to the speed of the game. You know, for players coming out of the under-18 system, it is a massive step up in speed. When I watched Cam McKenzie play at Box Hill, it was kick first, handball, when the kick wasn't there. And and that was by, uh, by choice of the coaching staff, because Cam McKenzie's... Foot disposal is so good. He actually, not only does he have great penetration in his kicking, he's a phenomenal touch kick as well. He can drop a ball into space beautifully for the leading forwards. And I think once he establishes himself and he's really comfortable, um, he will prove um, that he's one of the better kicks in our at our club. And, um, you know, you can see that Wiese's just shot us a, uh, the stats. He had 88. 86 kicks to 100 handballs last year. That's not the ratio you want to see with Mackenzie. You want to see more like the 17 and 6 this week that he had against the Dogs. And I think that's the thing to get excited about, Mick.
1: If you remember last year, he often ran himself into problems trying to evade plays because, you know, the one slight query I've got on him is very right-side dominant. Um, if he can just go into his left foot a little bit more, it might make it easy for himself. But he likes to evade and get back on his right foot, which last year he got caught out a few times with the speed of speed of play. So to your point, you know, adjusting to that is giving him that, that opportunity to, to kick better now.
2: Absolutely. I, I will say before we go any further, um, if you've got a question, if you've got a comment, if you've got any opinion on um, the game that just happened or uh, as we go into the preview of the same game next this weekend, um, either chuck it in the, in the comment section or um, request to speak and Weezy will get you on. Uh, we'd love to hear as many from as many people as possible. Um, a couple more of the positives, Wisi, I want to throw to you because he's, uh, he's your boy. Massimo D'Ambrosio has put together a really solid preseason so far and I thought his game on Friday was really impressive and probably solidified a spot on the wing come round one against his former side.
3: Yeah, I think that uh, it would be just reward for what has been a very, very good pre-season. And in the article we put out on the Substack during the week, I'm not sure there would have been too many Hawks fans who didn't initially think he was um, just a squad player to begin with, let alone a genuine chance to be a lock for round one. So... What I liked about his game, he had twenty six touches. Um, they were very effective. He looked silky. He looked composed. Is that it wasn't purely wing dominant? He moved a lot back towards the half back line um, to help across the half back line. I think we'll see more of him further up the ground on the wing when the likes of Carl Amon, you know, coming back into the team and slotting in on that half back line where he's. Uh, been training for most of the preseason. But I love the fact that he looked just as good at half back as he did on the wing, which for me means those two will be interchangeable for different parts of different games as required. So, um, yeah, I, I thought he was an absolute shining light uh, across four quarters as well, not just... Not just... Um, one- this space
0: was downloaded via spacesdown.com. Visit to download your spaces
3: today. Not too big terms, but consistently across the whole game.
2: Brad, uh, the kicking was a real weapon uh, on, on Friday and, and looks like it will be um, as his major weapon uh, throughout the season.
0: Absolutely. And we saw it uh, the week before I mentioned uh, to Mick at the uh, Intra Club as well. Um, his left foot is uh, superb and i think having him and carl at amon in the same side we got to uh, remember that carl uh, was managed he didn't play against uh, the bulldogs which is why massimo started the game and played a bit across half back but you know having carl Amon across half back and d'ambrosio um, up on a wing um, i think he's going to be uh, crucial i know d'ambrosio defensively is quite poor but I think his strength, he's got to be able to use his strength, which is his uh, left foot. Um, he'll play round one. I think he'll get that spot on the wing with Josh Ward on the other wing. I think Harry Morrison will miss out. I think Harry will probably be our sub for the first game. will either be him or Sarong if Sarong gets picked as the seventh defender. Um, but D'Ambrosio has definitely earned um, a round one spot. And I think um, he'll be an important play for the rest of uh, the season. I think with Carl Imon going to half-back, CJ is obviously not going to you know, be playing senior footy till the earliest, you know, round six to eight. I think Ambrosio will start on a wing and can really make that spot his
2: own. Mick, uh, what else caught your eye from the, uh, from the Dogs match? And um, I'm going to sort of lead you there. I, I was impressed with, uh, with Jack Ginnivan's outing. I thought he, uh, he looked good every time he touched the ball and he was involved in a lot of our good passages of play.
1: Yeah, as I said Den, early, Danny, you know, he pushed back and he pushed up further than I expected him to. Um, and his leg speed was quite good. I, I read an article or a report saying that he has actually improved his his leg speed over the pre season. So um, that that was definitely a positive. Um, Chol, I thought, was a positive as well. Yeah, you know, again, he moved up and he moved uh, quite high up the ground. Um, Interestingly, um, I think Lewis went off at half-time from memory. So, um, again, that opportunity for him to show what he can do. Um, Sarong, I didn't mind a couple of times um, in terms of one-on-one contests in the back half. Um, I think he probably plays in the first game. Um, Whittle's game I thought was interesting. You know, he had a couple of chances to take marks um, when he was clear on his own, but he did did the double punch, so whether he's got the, the frosty instructions, I'm not sure. Um, but again, um I know we're doing the positives, but um I would have liked to send a little bit more of him now. I don't know whether that halfback and the and the conditions also didn't quite suit his his style of game. Um hardwick hardwick was good. That was the other thing. I think that anyone who's thinking he's playing half back, um, just don't bother. Um it'd have to be almost decimation in the back half them to be put back at this stage. Um, and they're probably, they're probably the takeouts I'd make in terms of the positives. And I didn't think there was anything too drastically wrong, to be honest. It was interesting, McGuinness went to tag Sanders in the third quarter for a little bit. Um, so, you know, again, whether he's going to have that role going forward, as Brad says, with merit, that might be a wait and see, but you know, I'm not sure how we're going to fit them all in. I think from my rough count, I think we're, you know, on Brad's list, we might have 25 at the minute or maybe 26.
2: Now, we see uh, it wasn't all roses and butterflies and rainbows. Uh, what didn't you like about the game? And, um, you know, what, what left you a little bit concerned?
3: Yeah, well, I think, uh, I mean, what we learned was that clearly the f- Forward line still has a bit of a way to go to mesh. You mentioned Ginnivan, and um, I, I mean he just he just oozed class any time he got near it. But um, actually, when you consider, I, I thought Mitch Lewis his first quarter and a half was fantastic. Higher up the ground, um, before oh sorry, his first half of the first quarter was fantastic. Before he faded out, and we didn't see him um, for the second half of the game, Mabior, you know, gives you um, gives you the feeling that there are going to be games where he's going to absolutely dominate. Like he's gonna, he's going to kick bags. He's going to take plenty of marks. He's going to probably ruck chop out and have a game where you go, my god, like what an athlete and what a footballer. But I think we're equally going to get games and passages within games where he's nowhere to be seen and get the feeling that'll be frustrating. And And then, you know, Jack Gunston was quiet and um, Mick mentioned Connor McDonald played so much time in the forward line. We didn't have Dylan Moore out there. We didn't have Luke Bruce out there. So that's probably one of the biggest question mark still coming out of the game um, in terms of functioning. And then at the other end, I mean, it was great to see Ethan Phillips. I thought Sam Frost did a really good job. And um, I think that that absolutely confirmed that he's he's going to start, if not anything, he's going to start as our full back. Um, but uh, I think that the fact that we couldn't, you meant, again, it's been mentioned earlier, the fact that we couldn't negate both through the midfield and then down back the run-on in the first quarter and even again in the third quarter. Um, if we do that, if, if we have a first quarter like that against Essendon, notwithstanding the win being an issue, uh, there are going to be a lot of unhappy fans because we're clearly going to that game with an expectation that we can win it. Not that we will win it, that we can. And if they kick the first three or four goals of the game, there'll be a lot of disappointed fans having watched it last weekend and having seen it plenty of times last year.
2: Yeah, and uh, if you cast our mind back to round one, uh, 2023, that... uh, brief glimmer of hope. There was a couple of cracking goals, I think, from Chad Wingard early in that game against the Bombers. And then it was just an avalanche after that. And, you know, you obviously want to avoid that happening again. As we look ahead to um, Saturday night against the Bulldogs, Brad, um, do you foresee any changes to the team? Is it just going to be a larger squad again? Um what are you looking forward to seeing the most uh, next on Saturday night?
0: I think we'll get a better idea after Saturday night. I think um, Amon and Bruce will obviously come back in. As I mentioned earlier, it'll be interesting to see if uh, Meek plays because I think Sam's going to you know, take this game quite seriously in the lead-up to Round 1. The Bulldogs will obviously have, like, we got to keep in mind as well, which was quite disappointing, we were comprehensively beaten. Yes, we had a few guys out, but the Bulldogs' outs were a lot bigger than ours. They were probably missing seven of their best nine or ten uh, players. So they'll probably be at full strength as well this week. So it'll be a really good test for our guys. Um, I guess it'll be good again to see how our forward line structures up. You know, uh, the Lewis and Shaw combo which I've touched on. I don't think they've been great this preseason. I think Ash has mentioned it as well. It's going to take a good four or five weeks before our forward line gels. Uh, Watson's uh, the other one. I know it wasn't all his fault last week, but he was really, really quiet. I don't think he's a lock for round one. We know how many small forwards we currently have, but he's going to need to play really well to um, earn a spot in the side for round one because... Bruce's going to come back Dylan Moore's the other one we haven't had heard any we haven't heard an update um, i know the club have been quite positive that he's been at least you know uh, running and back training but as we know with glandular fever it's going to be a week by week so i like i think it's a wait and see um, he won't play this week against the bulldogs and i reckon he'd be in doubt for round one hopefully we see him uh, early on in the season but Yeah, it's going to be a rehearsal for round uh, one. So I think Sam's going to pick our best, you know, probably 25 or 26. Finn will probably play a tagging role. Uh, Lib is uh, the one. Bont, you can't really tag. I think Nash will go head to head with him. But Lib is the one that always chops us up. He was probably best on ground last week. So, yeah, Finn will probably go to him this week and try and earn a spot for round one.
2: Now, you've just gone and said that Nick Watson's not a lock for round one, as far as you're concerned. All I'll say is be prepared for Dom in your match. Yeah, mentions I'm going to cop it, which
0: is fine. Um, I love uh, Watson. I think he's had a really good preseason. But as we know, with Hardwick, who's going to be playing forward, Bruce will come back in. um, Ginovin, um is definitely um, a lock as well. And then we also forget Chad Wingard, by all uh, reports, is way ahead of schedule. And, Um, You know, I've been told um, from people within uh, the club, I think he could be back by, you know, round nine or ten, which is at least four or five weeks earlier than first anticipated. And if he's fit, Sam Mitchell's picking uh, wing guard. So there's going to be a big competition for spots for that small forward spot. Um, And Watson, yeah, like I said, was incredibly quiet. And if he has a really, really quiet game again, I don't think he's a lock for round one. So it'll be interesting to see what happens.
2: Mick, uh, anything further on what Brad mentioned in terms of things to look forward to and to look out for on Saturday night? And do you find it weird that the Hawks are playing the Bulldogs again two games
1: in a row? It's a little bit weird, but I think that might have been just a question of last week's game, who you could arrange to, to meet, basically. Um, and then having drawn them on the community cup already, well, it is what it is. Um, I think the guys have covered most of the bases. Yeah, the Watson one will be interesting to watch. Um, it'll be interesting whether chole plays, whether they want to risk him. Um Moore's, Moore did a bit of um uh, what non contest drills with the main group yesterday. Once it became contested, he went across to to the wing, as did um Seamus Mitchell. James Mitchell was the other one. He, he did the non-contact work. Then once it started contested work, he went across to the wing. So um, there's another one we, we don't sort of have in the back of our mind. Um, and the other one in the fourth half, obviously, is McDonald. So there is a real pressure point there as to how they're going to how they're going to size up those six spots. Um, yeah, and I don't I can't see Meek playing unless Chol doesn't play, um, or unless I want to give Ramsden a go as a second ruck to give Reeves a chop out. Um, I just yeah, they're. Probably, I just wonder how fearful they are getting any more injuries. To be perfectly frank,
2: right? Weesey, uh, it's Bulldogs back to back. Is it uh, just a case of get through this game, no injuries, and uh, avert or divert all attention post match to to round one, or is there something to gain out of this preseason match and and preseason matches in general, Weesey, because we've had this debate in our WhatsApp group throughout the week that, um, you know, poor performances in, in preseason games by individuals don't mean anything. And, and I think you and I were aligned in our thoughts on that. Um, Does anybody need to have a big game this weekend?
3: Yeah. So I, I think that's the important thing. There's holistically as an overall result, what does it mean? But, you know there are individuals who absolutely will be out to prove that they should be playing round one. So it's a combination of a number number of things. Firstly, I I actually think that um, the the bulldogs double up may have been coordinated deliberately to be able to, um, I guess, potentially plant ideas on uh, you know Sammy Mitchell speaking to Luke Beveridge to have discussions around. What they could possibly do over sixteen quarters of footy across two weeks with full playing lists to be able to maximise um, how much time who plays when that side of things, uh, not necessarily as um forward as you know them planning it all the way down to, you know, everything in in specific detail. But I'd be shocked if they hadn't had conversations about it to make it work for each team's benefit. Um, I think what we'll find is, you know, you mentioned we're a couple of weeks before the start of the season. So it's bound to be more intense. And, yeah, like we've already talked about, Mick mentioned 25 players in the discussions with him and Brad have already, are already certainties for round one, right? And, and we know that's not going to happen. So um, your Mackenzies, your Hussweights, your D'Ambrosio's, your Harry Morrison's, which of those forwards is going to miss out? If Carl Amon's back playing, which of the backmen are going to miss out? Like they're actually playing for a spot in the round one team and, and we know that competition's really good. Um, I think if we get out of it with no injuries, it's a bonus. But all we want is we actually want to see it, right? We want to see um, the intensity lifted. We want to see them hungrier. We want to see um, better use of the football. We want to see some more of those patterns emerging, better functionality within each group. Uh, forwards, mids, backs, playing. So I, I think it, I think it definitely uh, has, has a, a huge significance.
2: Yeah, and, and I think and I think further to that, I think we want to see what the coaching staff and the players put into place in order to be able to stop those runs of goals when the Hawks are conceding thick and fast. So um, we see, we'll move on from there. I want to stick with you. Uh, you and I last week uh, interviewed Josh Ward, uh, Hawks Insider's own Josh Ward, I should say. Um, uh, really interesting chat, very different personality to Will Day, who we chatted to multiple times in 2023. And, and you know, Josh will be looking to do the same with this year. Uh, what were your initial takeaways on Josh Ward? What impressed you and, uh, yeah, what what did you
3: like? I think the two words that summed him up we talked about Prinzi, were straight bat um is very um you know he he almost had his his law hat on um uh, when answering questions he's he's pretty um um he's pretty straight and upfront with his answers uh I think that it'll be great to be able to um to track him and have multiple chats with him throughout the year. I think that one of the things that was really impressive is clearly his desire to become one of the best players at Hawthorne, to get the, the best out of himself, become one of the best players at Hawthorne and become a really, really good footballer in, in the competition. Um, and that was evident um, with you know him talking about everything he's done throughout the pre-season, the amount of work he's done not just fitness-related, as, as we've all seen and witnessed through multiple accounts through, through the media, but he, he talked a lot about how he's worked really hard on the football side of his game. Um, and he, you know, he's still, he's still just a kid, right? So same as these other guys, they're on the journey, but what, what he's got to offer is really exciting. It'll be great to to follow that through the year, Prinzi.
2: Absolutely. Mick, um, one of the things we put to Josh was uh, part of the conversation we had with Peter Burge earlier in pre-season where we talked about um, Josh's uh, work over pre-season and how he's been able to put on or work on his burst speed. And you you chatted um, briefly before about how sort of one-paced the Hawthorne midfield is a little bit. Um, exciting that Josh has worked on that area of his game and and potentially offers you know uh, a, a bit of a different point of difference there with um, some burst speed coming out of the stoppage.
1: Yeah, definitely, Danny. And even at Friday's game, you know, he did that, in inverted commas, that he unrewarded running down that wing. And just to the eye, he looked quicker across the ground. Like, than he did last year. Again, he's no um, stall gift winner, but he did look quicker. Um, and the other thing too, he's work I think he's worked on his right foot as well. You know, he's quite, he's better than serviceable on both sides of his with both feet. Um, and, he, and he makes good decisions generally. Like he's not one that gets flustered, and his capacity to get out of trouble is probably a little bit more advanced than say McKenzie at this point in time. But um, as you, you know. I've heard him speak a couple of times. He just strikes me as an intense young man who's, who wants great will to win or great will to improve. Um, and what he's done in his, his short career, you can see that, I think.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's uh, you've hit the nail on the head there with Josh because one of the things that Peter verge spoke about was uh, they actually have to hold him back um, and they're never worried about his uh, the work that he puts in Fitness-wise, because they actually have to readjust because he often does too much. Um, Brad, what are your expectations before we move on from Josh Ward? What are your expectations for Ward in twenty twenty-four? Are we seeing him take another step up? Is he the Will Day of this year, or what is is that too much to ask from him? No,
0: I think he absolutely has the uh, opportunity and uh, potential to. You know, I don't know about if he's going to be as good as Will Day, but I think you know heading into his third season. I think he'll play a range of roles. I think he'll start and I think he'll start um, on a wing. He's really, really fit. We saw that in the back half of last season, but I think we'll see him get a bit more uh, inside mid time, especially with Will Day out for the start of uh, the season. I'd like to see him push forward and kick goals. That's one thing that our midfield struggles with, and I think Jai will become uh, that type of player uh, this year and push forward and kick more goals. But Josh has really, really good skills. Um, I know Prinzi's touched on it his ability you know to hit say that 25 to 30 you know to 30 meter kick. Um, but yeah I think he absolutely can take his game to the next uh, level. He's played uh, enough games. him and Connor McDonald are the two that we really need this season to take uh, the next step if we're going to win you know closer to 10 plus games. So yeah, absolutely. And, Um, You know, I think this season we'll see why he was, you know, uh, taken in the top 10. Uh, He's going to be a really good player for us. He reminds me, I think, of um, uh, Luke Power, that player who played, you know, Luke was a quality, quality player. He didn't get uh, the accolades of your Blacks and your Akamanduses and your Vosses, but he just was that solid, classy, skillful player. And I think Josh could be that type of player for us.
2: If he has a career like Luke Power will be stoked, I think. Uh, Luke Power is a ripping little player. So I really like that comparison, actually. I I, I see a lot of Zach Merritt in his game as well. And I I think that there's a a really high ceiling for Josh. And I think the most important thing is there's a really low floor for Josh as well. So a really high floor, I should say. That's terribly worded by me. Um, A a high floor. I don't don't think he ever bombs as a footballer. I think he's, at worst, a very solid 200-game player. Uh, which is really good. Um, moving away from that we see uh, there was a bit of an update on the Hawthorne racism scandal this week uh, before we wrap up the space in sort of 10 minutes time I wanted to get your uh, initial takeaways on the on the update and, and what it means uh, for the for the Hawks and for the people involved.
3: Yeah, well, it's obviously very positive that finally everyone's going to get into a room together and discuss it because um, obviously that was always going to be the next step in being able to try and address it and regardless of what gets played out in the media and um, and in terms of a, he said, she said, what did happen, what didn't happen, the reality is until you get everyone sitting in a room together to be able to address concerns face-to-face, you're going to struggle to be able to get uh, or give both sides of the opportunity to to be heard, uh, both sides the opportunity to be heard by the other parties. So it's significant. It still certainly raises the question why um, as soon as we handed the report over to the AFL, um and even after it leaked and they put their panel together why this couldn't be done and avoided you know more than 12 months of this lagging um when it has been their responsibility um and yeah i think we've said plenty about that over over the last six plus months so I think um it's a very, very positive move and and hopefully it's it's the biggest move yet in terms of being able to get to an amicable resolution where everyone can come come away happy enough, move on. Um and that one of the outcomes is probably that um Cyril has some sort of involvement back at the club with some of his mates, you know, Ruffy and, and Mitch and and that in future, Clarko's the same, that, that he doesn't feel like he's outcast because of this ongoing process. So, positive.
2: Yeah, overtly positive uh, from my perspective as well. Mick, um, it seems like a, a momentous shift in mindset from the aggrieved parties um, who, previous to this update, hadn't seen seemed keen to get in the same room or or, or facilitate discussion or have discussion facilitated. Um, You know, we see touched on it, Mick. I want to get your thoughts as well as a very articulate man. Um, The move of Rioli and co to actually sit down and have a conversation, hopefully put this to bed, um, you know, is is a bit of a a light at the end of the tunnel of this whole saga.
1: You know, Denny, it's part of the process, they're in now, that's the thing, going to the Human Rights Commission, you, your first step is actually mediation. So, um, and if the mediation doesn't work, then you actually go to you go to actual hearing. Um, having had some sort of involvement in a similar scenario over the years, um, it was the next step and, and it should have been the process all the way through. And again, we're going over old grants, I don't want to stir the, the hornet's nest. Um, but, you know, it's positive. You get people in the room, you hear the perspective, you try and work out, you know, where they were coming from, where the other side sort of felt it, and then you come to, I'm not sure amicable might be the word, but you come to a point of mutual consensus to say, this is this is what happened. Or, you know, if that could be reached, hopefully, that that's the, the perfect outcome as distinct from going to the next stage altogether. Um, yeah, so hopefully, you know, the blokes that have shared a lot of a ex- good times together to be able to, um, restore their relationship to a you know, a civil, if not better than civil stand. Yeah.
2: Brad, uh, do we start um, selling tickets to the uh, premiership reunion with uh, Cyril Rioli and, and Alistair Clarkson there or is it a bit early for that sort of thing?
0: Far too uh, early. Unfortunately I don't <laughs> I'd be very surprised if, uh, I
2: know
0: if or uh, either of either or are there. I think they're just going to want to get through uh, the meeting coming up in a few weeks' time, and I think everyone's just starting to move on. It looks like Cyril's settled back home in the Northern Territory, and Clarko's obviously got, you know, uh, you know more important things uh, to worry about, trying to get North Melbourne at, away from uh, begging at AFL for, for uh priority picks. So, yeah, I think they're just going to want to get through that, and, yeah, uh, we'll all move on, thankfully and uh, hopefully.
2: The good news for Clarko, Brad, is that there will always be next year for them to beg for priority picks and the year after that as well. So that's true. Uh, pl- plenty of time for that to happen. Um, all right. Uh, putting the racism scandal in the rear vision mirror for now, where I'm sure it'll come up again over points of the year. Uh, but we don't want to keep rehashing old, uh, old stuff. Um we are very, very close, and I'm very excited uh, to be able to let everybody here know and everybody that listens to the podcast. We're a couple, a few weeks away. Uh, we see from the live panel show, and we've got a couple of uh, really exciting or uh, a really exciting announcement.
3: Yeah, well, I know Ash asked the question as to whether we will, uh, whether we will actually announce some of the names, but I- I'm going to keep. If it's all right, Prinzi, I'm, I'm going to suggest we keep everyone in suspense uh, and we will release them over the next week across our social media platforms. We've got some big names coming, um, cult figure, former player, someone very highly connected to the club, on top of obviously having already mentioned that Quarters, Steve Quartermain, um, Ed Sill and Zane Littlejohn will be on panels throughout the evening. So it's going to be an absolute monster. I may, uh, we're sold out the allotment that we said we were going to be selling. I may or may not have put four or five tickets away because people are going to be upset about having, about having missed out once they hear the name. So um, send me a dm if that's you uh because literally there's only you know there's only a handful of a secret stash left as soon as we announce these names there'll be there'll be plenty of people coming for tickets so it's gonna be an awesome night it's gonna be heaps of fun um it's gonna be a great way to um get nice and warmed up pre round one against the dons and we really um Prinzy, we've talked about it. It's, we're pretty touched with the support and the fact that um, there are so many people who want to be in the same room together to, to hear us and to hear the panel. And we just can't wait to get around everyone and chat and get to know everyone a bit more and, yeah, just celebrate uh, our, our shared love for all things Brown and Gold.
2: I think if you're uh, if you're warming into a season like the Hawks will be, Hawthorne fans are the same. There's no better way, really, is there, um, than to get around, have a have a meal at the pub, the Glenferrie Hotel, um, sink a few beers, and chat to really knowledgeable people. That's not the Hawks insiders. That's the guests um, about you know the footy club, uh, what the VFL season looks like, what the AFL season looks like, and really get into the the nuts and bolts we see of what round one against the Bombers is going to look like later that weekend. So uh, I don't know. I mean, I know that everybody at Hawks Insiders is super excited, but um, you know, I've had a lot of people message and comment to me talking about how excited they are about just getting there and being able to have a, have a listen to some really knowledgeable people and the Hawks Insiders panel.
3: Yeah. And I think as well, I mean, we know and there are plenty of people in this space like we know who the regulars are we know who is in the space every week we are you know prinzy we didn't know each other before Hawks Insiders started same same with Mick and and getting to know him and and then so many people that come up and chat with us at family day at trainings you know that the, the PCM was amazing last year. So, yep. you know, we, we've created this this connection with so many people and, and this, this insider's family. And this is, you know, this is going to be a culmination of the last two and a half years of that where we've got everyone in a room together. So, yeah, it's going to be awesome and really can't wait for it. Again, if you haven't got tickets yet, I've got just a few left up my sleeve. Send me a DM, first in, best dress.
2: And none of us actually knew he had those. He kept them even from us. So um, I am going to do Ash Brown really, really proud here. I'm going to finish it up before an hour or bang on an hour so I don't get wrapped over the knuckles tomorrow morning. That has been the Hawks Insiders Wednesday night safe space for this week. Thank you so much to everybody for joining us. Thank you for listening and supporting the Hawks Insiders. Um, If you would like to subscribe for 2024 and you're not already $5 a month, $50 for the year, Uh, a year discount saves you 10 bucks over the course of the year. Um, So highly recommend signing up for the year. Uh, We're really counting down the days until the panel show um, in a couple of weeks time. And we look forward to seeing you there. Thank you so much to Andrew Weiss, to Brad Klebanski, to Mick Cowan. And we will see you all again next week on Hawks Insiders. Bye for now.
3: This was another Hawks Insiders production. Make sure to subscribe to our Substack for wall to wall Hawthorne Footy Club coverage.